Welcome to the Presentation Boss Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Kate Norris. And I'm Thomas Craft. Whether you're pitching your business, speaking at a work meeting, or on the stage, we're here to help you present with clarity and confidence. Excellent. It's episode 33 of the Presentation Boss Podcast, and we're going to have a little bit of a Friday fun one, even though this comes out on a Wednesday. So if you're listening to this on a Friday, well done to you. Uh, The topic of today's discussion is we're just doing seven things to not do in a presentation. So these are seven of the greatest niggles that we find with audiences and seven of the most common mistakes we see with presentations. So let's kick straight into the seven. Yes, and I'm here too. I've not said anything yet, so I'm going to start with number one. Oh, who are you? Where'd you come from? <laughs> number one, data dumping. Number two a... is... Oh, sorry. I'm actually oh, we're going to go... No. <laughs> it's just like, data dumping. Good. On to number two. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> so, number one, data dumping. Or for our American friends, data dumping. So, what do we mean by data dumping? This is when you've got information, just really content-heavy information to get across to your audience, and you give them everything. Mm. And it becomes too much. They can't absorb it. They can't actually process everything that you've told them. And this often happens when you've got someone who's really knowledgeable in an area, and they've spent years and years and years learning all of this knowledge, and it becomes so second nature and easy for them that they then just assume that their audience is up with them and knows the same amount. And so they just kind of tell them everything and expect them to absorb it because it's easy for them and they expect it to be easy for their audience. And it's just not. This is honestly just the classic curse of knowledge. And we've mentioned it before on the podcast. And the curse of knowledge is just when you've, like you say, you've got an expert and they forget what it's like to know none of that. Mm. Quite, if you break it down, it's this curse that the presenter has of having too much knowledge and assuming too much of their audience. It's curse knowledge. We see it all the time in presentations. So this even came and bit me on the bum just recently. Uh, I was having a conversation with some friends and I decided to explain what I thought was the basics of aerodynamics. Background in aviation, background as a pilot, I thought, oh, this is a fun little fact about the engineering of aircraft wings. And so I had like my, I had my three points. I had my three points I was going to talk about. And the first one was a quick recap on the basics of Bernoulli's theorem and the aerofoil cross-section. And then I was going to talk about the aerodynamic and fuel efficiency of wingtips on aircraft wings. And the third one was talking about the dynamic stability of dihedral wings. Like super simple stuff, right? Everybody surely in grade 10 physics talked about Bernoulli's theorem and the basics of aerofoil design. And so I started with that, did a really quick recap in 30 seconds and immediately lost half of my audience of friends. And I was a little bit astounded by this because I thought surely every everybody surely talked about the basics of aerodynamics and aerofoil cross-sections of wings in high school, or at least university, or somewhere. So I was there, and I saw this happen. (laughs) And basically, what you did was say, well, obviously, we know that, you know, air splits over an aircraft, and the top of the air goes slower, the bottom of the air goes faster, and then one pushes... you weren't even listening. (laughs) See, I can't even remember your point one. And one pushes up, and that's how an aircraft flies, and obviously, everybody knows that. And I was just sitting there going, oh... Oh, that's how it works. Like, wait, can we just, like, have 10 minutes explaining this bit? Like, this can't just be your, like, introduction. This needs to be the entire bit that you tell me, because this is so far beyond me. But to me, super basic stuff. 
right? And so that, that right there is curse of knowledge. I, I don't know what it's like to not know how an aircraft wing works. Like, who, I do. who wouldn't know that? <laughs> you think it just happens by magic, you know? Like, <laughs> like Boeing just pour fairy dust into the fuel tanks and then... I know that it's physics beyond me. Yeah. <laughs> the point is, you need to know the level that your audience is at so that you can speak to them and give them the right amount of information and data and context for them. And this will change depending on your audience. If you're talking to a different audience of... Pilot buddies. Pilot buddies will be a completely different conversation as compared to talking to me. So number one, data dumping. Presenting too much information for what your audience needs. Okay, number two of the things to not do as a presenter is being a narrator of your own presentation. So what we mean by this, and maybe you've seen it or fallen into the trap yourself, is you find yourself reading, like, word for word, notes or a full script, whether that's from, like, physical pages of notes or from your slides. And so the reason this doesn't work is... Well, really, you are the presentation. People come to, a, come to a meeting or go to see a presentation, go to see somebody speak because they want to see that person's personality and their insights and the energy that they bring to, well, a presentation. If this is the type of presentation that could just be read aloud or off a slide, well, then it's really just a glorified email, right? It's kind of just a glorified text document. The way we've seen this happen sometimes is somebody's just not taking control of their own presentation. So they might be at the back of the room or uni lecture halls are a good one for it where there's like the little presenting area. It's like it's got a big desk and yep. the the, um, the computer's there and, and you get a lecturer sort of just stand there and talk and narrate while everybody's just staring at a slide. And so that kind of just becomes narration. I think the issue here is you're not adding anything to that presentation other than just an audio recording. <laughs> yeah, an audio book. Like you're not adding anything of yourself. Hmm. Because your voice alone is not enough. You've got to add personality. And the reason that you're presenting is so that you've got different visual medium. You've got yourself and your facial expressions and your vocal control and your visual aids. There should be all of that going on together, not just not just your reading voice. So an example I always see is I, I listen to a lot of TED Talks uh, through the, the TED Talks Daily podcast. So, you know, walking, driving, whatever, just listening to TED Talks. And that's it's really cool. But you get to hear you know, ideas worth sharing, as opposed to if I sit down at my computer and watch a TED Talk, where you kind of see the person, you get an idea what they look like, how they move, the energy they bring to the stage area. It's a whole different experience. It becomes properly an audio-visual experience rather than just listening to a podcast. Not that there's anything wrong with podcasts. <laughs> I don't mean that example may have not worked. Did you just say that podcasts essentially suck? No, what I'm saying is we should be filming our podcast so that the ladies and gentlemen can see what we look like right now. So I'm sorry to bring this back on topic. Uh, when when I see people who are just narrating, especially a PowerPoint, you know, text-heavy PowerPoints, which that, that, I will not get into that rant, um, is you end up falling into this trap of a click and read and click and read and click while everybody in the audience is just reading along, or it's somebody who just winds up with their head down and their face in their notes and losing all of that audience awareness as well. It really does just become an audio recording, but live. A live audio recording. Yeah, it's yeah. actually what it becomes. Yeah. yeah. 
giving a presentation needs to be some expression of personality. You need to be present, like present with the audience, present with your content and taking control of your presentation. Actually, almost like being the boss of your presentation, right? That's it. (laughs) (laughs) So number two, being a narrator, which is reading directly from a script bit on pages or your slides. So number three is making your audience multitask. So trying to get your audience to do more than one thing at a time. So this could be getting them to listen to you while they're reading, whether that be like a handout that you've given them or your slide or getting them to try and listen while they write something down Mm. or think about answering a question. If you ask your audience a question, shut up and let them think about the answer. (laughs) Yeah. Don't just keep talking and expect them to think because you can't do both things. Or simply listening and interpreting. So if you've got kind of information heavy, if you've got some sort of complex topic, trying to get them to think about it while you continue on. You need to give people space to interpret, to process and understand what you're saying. So we saw a good example of this in episode 31 when we did a speech breakdown of Lara Boyd, who was giving um, a fair bit of information uh, with sort of medical science. Neuroscience it was. Yeah, that was it. And was giving us, um, I think we paused and made comment on it that she'd said a couple of sort of independent data points or uh, chunks of information. And we found ourselves trying to link. uh, So this correlates to that, which means this other thing that she said before. And you find yourself with all this extra cognitive load during the presentation. And when you're trying to do that, she's continued on with the presentation and then you miss what she said and then you're trying to catch up and the whole thing kind of falls apart. You get further and further behind. Yeah. And we know that you can kind of only really, truly concentrate and be present on one thing at a time. You know, if you're trying to read off, say, a PowerPoint slide or off a handout while somebody's talking, I mean, that's that's the prime example of the human brain can only take in language in one form at a time. Mm. It's called the redundancy effect. You can only do one of those things at a time. And that's you know, that's a really big argument for not giving people two of those things to do at once. So you may click onto a slide that's got some text and then just pause. Give people time to read and do one thing at a time. So number three, making your audience multitask. If you're asking them to do more than one thing, pause and give them the space to do that second thing before you bring them back and make them listen again. So number four is being too cool for your own presentation. So what we mean by this is not committing fully to the presentation. So not being vulnerable enough to really give it a go by things like showing your passion in the topic, by getting excited about your own presentation, really leaning into that excitement and trying to share that with the audience. And sometimes I've seen this where a presenter is a bit afraid, I think, to be vulnerable and they kind of just look like they're too cool for school. Like they're just going to kind of, oh yeah, this is a thing and I'll just sort of whatever my way through it. And it just looks uninspiring. Mm. Well, I think sometimes the subconscious thought pattern can be like, if I don't try, then I can't fail. So if my presentation was a bit crap, it's because I wasn't really trying anyway. So it's not really my fault because I wasn't trying. Like if I tried, then it probably would be good. But (laughs) but you're not afraid to actually make that step and put your entire being into it. Because the thing with presenting is it's you and you're putting yourself out there. And if people don't like you, then that's kind of rejection of you as a person. That's what it feels like. Even though people essentially are there for what you're saying, your message, it feels like a very personal thing. So if you don't try, then you can't be rejected. But I think Mm. you've you've got to. You've got to try. 
So don't be too cool for your own presentation. So try to present so that you win. Yep. Rather than avoiding giving anything a go for fear of losing. Yeah. Play to win, not to avoid losing. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of a little bit get out of your own way. Don't be too cool for school. Yeah. So number four is give it a proper go. Be that little bit vulnerable, get out of your own way, and don't be too cool for your own presentation. Number five is lack of contrast. So if you think about a musical instrument, pick an instrument for me. Uh, Piano. Yep, piano, good. You've got someone who plays the piano and they play one note. And the first time, that's a nice note. Mm -hmm. But if that's all you hear over and over, you're going to get really bored of it really quickly. What you need is the contrast of all the different notes. You need the different pace, the different volume, the different energy, the different pitch. You need it to all come together to create an interesting experience. And it's the same with a presentation. It should be an experience. It should be entertaining. And you've got so much to work with in a presentation. You've got the movement of your body. You've got your voice. You've got your facial expressions. You've got energy. If you've got some stories in there, you can bring the energy up and down. Mm. But if you always do the same thing, it's monotonous. It's droney. And the word that you always use is... Choo-choo. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Choo-choo, which is just like like a train, uh, which, you know, has got a full head of steam and it's just chugging along the same speed, the same pace, straight and narrow along the tracks. Nothing's really changing or getting excited. It's just choo-chooing its way along. And so choo-choo, just always constant, the same, not really deviating. Contrast adds excitement, adds interest, and it's really important in a presentation. So number five, a big mistake, something to not do when presenting, is having a lack of contrast. Okay, number six. It's happening, Kate. We're going to talk about PowerPoint. Number six, (laughs) (laughs) something to not do as a presenter is to be too fancy with your slides. Now, I know you've seen it. I know you've been in this presentation where somebody's got a slide deck and, you know, it's fine, except that every word, like whooshes in from the side and then spins and changes colour three times. And then before they move on to the next slide, that paragraph, an image all like swizzles out and like Explodes zooms in. Yeah, and the then other. disappears before we yes. move on to the next slide. It's like, oh, this is... <laughs> it's almost nauseating. And I always just feel like, yes, very good. You found the animations tab and uh-huh. you clicked seven buttons. <laughs> and yet all it's doing is distracting your audience. I remember a while back being in a workshop... And we mentioned at the beginning that we were going to talk about PowerPoint. And there was a woman up the back and she said, oh, I know how to do PowerPoint animations and all of that. Yes. (laughs) And it was just really interesting. Her understanding of good PowerPoint was how to do the fanciest animations and how to get the most animations. Or how to use the program really was how I interpreted that. She thought, oh, yeah. I know how to use PowerPoint, which yeah. is kind of kind of the same as being like, I know how to open Word and touch type, therefore I know how to write a book. Yeah. Yeah, two hugely different skills. I always say, just because you know how to add in some extra animations into your PowerPoint slides does not mean that you should. And not just PowerPoint, as always, I mean the same for Keynote, for Prezi, for Google Slides, for Canva presentations doesn't mean that you should make things extra fancy. It's tempting though. Like there's some really cool stuff you can do. Yeah. And it's kind of the difference between is this a tool for communication or is this just a toy and a little bit fancy? 
Yeah. You know, so every animation, every element on your PowerPoint should aid in telling your story or conveying your message in your presentation. If it's not adding to that, then it doesn't really have a place, right? So if we look at data presentation, Mm. if it makes sense to bring in different bars of a bar chart at a different point to help you maintain focus on... Step through the story, yep. Yep. So you can bring those in, you know, one at a time. That could be a good way of using animation. But it doesn't mean that, like, your x-axis should first zoom in and do a twizzle and then the first bar and then this thing zoom in and change colour. It needs to have a purpose. Yeah. So number six is please don't be too fancy with your slides. Getting the job done without being too fancy. And really, if you want to be careful, simple is better. Yep. Number seven, and possibly the worst one of the lot of them, is going over time. I don't care how interesting, great, amusing, amazing you are. As soon as you go over time and you encroach on people's personal time, you start to lose likability immediately and Mm. it drops off very quickly. Every minute that you go over, your audience dislikes you more and more. It's really quite disrespectful to your audience if you take more of their time than you promised. I think that's it. It's disrespectful. Mm. So let's say you're in a meeting and it's been agreed upon that you have 20 minutes, 20 minutes to present your presentation on whatever it is that you present, right? And then you take 25, for example. The issue is those five minutes have to come from somewhere else, which means it comes from other things that are happening in that meeting, or it comes from whatever people would be doing after that meeting, be it work or personal time or a lunch break or whatever it is. No one ever, ever complains if you run early on the proviso that you have still delivered your message effectively. No point wrapping up early and you haven't actually said everything (laughs) you need to. But no one will complain if you run short. They will complain if you run long. Certainly better to finish a minute early than a minute late. Yep. So the easiest way to get around going over time is understanding how much time you actually need. I cannot tell you how many people I have worked with and I say to them, you have too much content for the time. And they say, no, I don't. Every time they come back to me and say, you were right, I had too much information. No kidding, I do this all the time. Yep. So we know that the best way around going over time is understanding how much time you need, which comes from great planning, great design, and great practice of your presentation. So with the practice is rehearsal, going through your presentation. If you would like to know more about how to do that, we did a full episode, episode 24 of the Presentation Boss podcast, how to properly rehearse your presentation. Yeah. So that is number seven and what I believe to be the worst sin of presenting, going over time. So the seven things to not do during a presentation. Number one was data dumping, having too much information for this presentation and this audience. Number two, being a narrator. So this is where you find yourself just reading notes from a page or from a slide. Number three, making your audience multitask. So making them do more than one thing at once and talking while they have another activity to do. Number four, being too cool for your own presentation, not getting out of your own way and committing fully to your presentation. Number five, lack of contrast. So being monotonous or droney with movement, voice, visuals and energy, those type of things. Number six, being too fancy with your slides, crazy animations and things twizzling and twirling around. Last, number seven, going over time, being respectful of your audience's time. 
So that's our seven things to not do when giving a presentation. If you have something that you think you should definitely not do in a presentation that we've missed, please do flick us an email. But that's all for today's show. Thanks for listening to today's show. We'd love for you to leave us a review on iTunes. If you'd like to know more, check out presentationboss.com.au slash podcast, where you'll find the show notes for today with links to everything we've discussed. If you have any questions about presentations that you'd like us to discuss, get in touch by emailing us at podcast at presentationboss.com.au. We're always happy to hear your thoughts or take suggestions for future episodes. Most importantly, we rely on you to share the information of this podcast. If you found value in today's episode, please recommend us to a friend. Have a great week. Yeah, it's a crazy sensitive microphone. Mm. It is picking up my stomach rumbling. That's ridiculous. It is. It's our bumper for this week. No. (laughs) I'm sorry. Do you want the, the ladies and gentlemen listeners to not know that your body does things?